Hi, welcome to episode 528 of the Fantastic Forecast. I'm Dave Elliott, and why is it so hard to find wine coolers at the grocery store? Why would anyone not drink a wine cooler? Today is Fantastic Four 528, dated August 2005. Random Factors by J. Michael Straczynski and Mike McCone. So Reed is in Nevada, working on a top-secret government project, and he calls up Sue to tell her all about it. He says they do have a censoring system on the phone that will bleep out any confidential information that Reed might say. I think my parents have a similar system on their phone, only it bleeps out any compliments or positive comments they might make. Reed says he might be, able to, might be on the project for a while, and we see from Sue's end of the conversation, a lot of stuff is getting bleeped out. He's telling her about the project to send some soldiers into space to give them Fantastic Four-style powers by exposing them to cosmic rays. But Sue can't hear a damn thing. Sue tells Reed that Ben has gone out shopping to spend some of his money. And we switch over to the clothing, clothing store where Ben is trying on a top hat. Whatever happened to top hats? They used to be all the rage with rich people. You know... If the richest 1% are going to screw the world over, they might as well look good while they're doing it. Johnny says that if Ben wears that top hat, they'll have to change their name to the Fantastic Three and their pimp. Ben ends up spending $10,000 for clothes on this trip at the store. Back with Sue, she has a meeting with a lady named Simone de Beauvier at the New York City Child Welfare Division. Well... It's about time! On the scale of being bad parents, Reed and Sue rank somewhere between Woody Allen and Casey Anthony. Sue, for some reason, thinks this is all part of a fundraising drive and doesn't think it's going to take very long. If Miss D. Bouvier starts asking questions about all the times Reed and Sue have put their children in danger, it will take a very long time. Back in Nevada, Reed meets a doctor, Dr. Deborah Love, great name. Maybe they should set her up with Dr. Doom and they would cancel each other out. Dr. Love is the systems coordinator trying to find a way to get 50 people up into space to get superpowers. Still, that is a very, very bad idea. All it takes is for one of the soldiers to go crazy, like Mika Johnson crazy, and you've got a deadly supervillain on your hands. The entire time the project team is talking to Reed, he remains uncharacteristically quiet, not saying very much, other than telling Dr. Love to call him Reed. And I really hope that she tells him to call her Deborah, because as fun as it sounds, Dr. Love might get on your nerves after a while. And we see that Reed is lost in thought, thinking about how similar this new ship is to the old one, back from issue one, and how working on it makes him feel old. Back at the Baxter building, Miss Dubouvier arrives for her meeting with Sue, and Sue asks what she can do to help her raise money. Miss D. Bouvier, Bouvier says, Uh, this ain't about money. It's actually their job to ensure that children are being raised in nurturing, safe environments. I don't think that's the job of child welfare. If that was the case, half the people in this country would lose their children. The job of child welfare is to take children out of dangerous homes. And that's exactly what Miss Dubouvier has in mind. She finally drops the bombshell on Sue, 
She's there to investigate whether or not this is a safe environment for children to be raised in. And if not, they will have to be placed elsewhere. Sue says, This is insane! This is a loving, nurturing household! Yeah, but is it safe? Miss DeBouvier runs down a list of concerns. And she doesn't have a full list, because that would take all day. There's been attacks on the building. It's been damaged, set on fire, 17 times. And she doesn't even mention the two previous versions of the building that got all blown up. There's people breaking into the building. The cops get called an average of three times a week. And generally, generally, uh, there's a lot of danger. She also has questions about the children's babysitters. Who are they? Where are they? How do they get paid? Sue lies and says they live in New Jersey. When actually, the babysitters are the Inhumans and they live on the moon. That was a dumb lie. Sue should have told the truth. Sending the children to the moon is a lot safer than sending them to New Jersey. Sue tries to defend herself, saying that she'd give her life before letting any harm come to her children. Actually, her children have been harmed a lot and Sue's still alive. Miss DeBouvier sees Franklin and starts asking him some questions like, does he have any friends? And Franklin is like, uh, uh, do you go to school? Uh, he says he's homeschooled. She asks him if he's ever been anywhere interesting. And Sue's like, uh, Franklin. Franklin blurts out that how Valeria got kidnapped by Dr. Doom and taken to Latveria, and how he got stuck in hell for a while, and then retook over Latveria, and the government took all his money, and then there was a time that Galactus said he was going to kill everybody. Miss DeBouvier seems startled, and she asks where Franklin's father is, and Franklin replies, I don't know. Nobody knows. Does that happen a lot? She asks. Franklin says it happens all the time. And back at the government project, Reed is grabbing a quick snack with Dr. Love, that is not a euphemism for, for anything, and she's asking him how his job must be tough on his family since he's always so busy. She says they might be finished soon, and there's one big issue they have to solve. Reed asks what that is, and she replies that the exact conditions that the Fantastic Four got their powers was, this, was the same. The same cosmic rays, the same outfits, the same shielding, the same everything. But the cosmic rays gave them all very different powers. And they need to know why. Reed surprises her when he tells her that he never did any research into why the rays had a different effect on each person. Back in New York, Ben and Johnny are having dinner at a fancy restaurant. And yet, they're wearing their Fantastic Four uniforms. Apparently, this is one of those fancy restaurants that doesn't have a no-shirt, no-service policy. Because Ben ain't wearing no shirt. And all the other patrons are staring. Ben thinks it's because of all the new bling he's wearing. He walks by a couple of women who hit on him, with one of them asking if he can buy her a drink. Ben, unsurprisingly, turns her down, saying, Maybe another time, kiddo. Ben goes into the bathroom and looks at himself in the mirror. And he's kind of talking to himself, and he sees his human self. And he's saying that he wasn't wearing all that jewelry. If he wasn't wearing all that jewelry, <laughs> those women would have run the other way. You know, this might be good advice for the Incredible Hulk. Start wearing jewelry. And he starts talking to himself about how he loves Alicia, and his human half is trying to tell the thing that there's nothing wrong with getting attention from other women. And he's just a human under all that rock, and he'd like to feel appreciated sometime. Back with Sue, 
She's trying to tell Miss DeBouvier that it's not as bad as it sounds. Sue's child spent like a week in hell. I don't think there's any way to spin that and make it sound like it's not as bad as it sounds. Sue tries to explain that because their building is so well known, it makes a good target for supervillains. Miss Dubouvier is like, whose fault is that? Sue says it was Reed's idea to have the building in New York to show the world that a family having hard times can still survive even under the most difficult of circumstances. Really? That's why Reed put the building in New York? Sounds like a huge lie to me. Miss Dubouvier says that kind of thinking worked for John Lennon uh, for a while. So Dubouvier gets up to leave and tells Sue that she'll keep in contact regarding the investigation. Sue's trying to fight back tears when Johnny and Ben arrive home, and she tells them they're about to face their biggest threat ever, the bureaucracy. I think that's a bit of an over-exaggeration. Back in Nevada, Reed is sitting outside at night thinking about why the members of the Fantastic Four got their powers. And it comes back to that fan-fiction-y idea that the powers are manifestations of the members' own personalities. Sue felt ignored as a child, like she was invisible. Johnny was always a hothead, so he literally developed a hot head. And Ben was a macho man who spent his whole life trying to be strong and tough. So he became strong and tough. And Reed was a man stretched thin by his work, always being pulled apart between his head and his heart, being stretched around. Well, these are just Reed's ideas, and they're very fan-fiction-y, as I said. I wouldn't be surprised if these theories came straight from the Fantastic Four's letter column. Later, Reed is back working, chatting with Dr. Love, talking about the Voyager space launch, and how he talked over some of the design elements with Carl Sagan. That was September 1977. How old is Reed supposed to be now? It's unusual for an FF writer to bring up an event from so far in the past. That's 28 years earlier, which has to put Reed in his 50s at least, if he was actually helping on the project. Maybe 60s. They're interrupted by an alarm. Red alert lights go on. There's an explosion. People are trying to run away, but the doors are locked. Reed stretches out and covers everyone as... Shit blow up. Later, Dr. Love is talking with one of her colleagues, and it looks like the project was sabotaged. And she thinks maybe it was sabotaged by Reed Richards himself. Which, if it was, I wouldn't blame him. And that is the end of the issue to be continued next time. If you have any questions about the Fantastic Four, about this podcast, or if you need relationship advice, you can email me at podcastff at gmail.com. Follow me on Twitter, Dave Elliott, Podcast FF. Download other episodes of iTunes. Find them all at www.podcastff.podbean.com. So long, kids. This podcast is over. <laughs>